Hello, everyone. This is the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're, uh, we're 20-year veteran uh, Wall Street analyst, uh, portfolio manager. Actually, you know, I got to thinking about this. We're probably closer to like 40-year veterans if you measured it in 40-hour work weeks. If you, if, you, if you measured it in dog years. And, and uh, I think we'd be dead if we were in. It was, and I'm 25 years. Uh, uh, okay, 25 years. In my case. Important, important clarification. Thanks for that, Val. But anyway, uh, yeah. anyway, we've taken on secret identities, and um, so that we uh, basically, so we can keep our jobs, you know, disguise our right. voices, so our bosses won't be able to recognize us, so that um, we can let you listen in every week as we uh, talk stocks and uh, talk we stocks, use uh, yes, every sir. week's value line investment survey um, as you know our universe to talk about. And um, this week we're looking at the edition dated April twentieth, two thousand seven. I uh, remind everyone that this is for entertainment purposes only. Um, it's not, not that entertaining, uh, though, but we do it anyway. Yeah, right. Uh, Just want to say, and, throw and that it gives in. us an excuse to drink. Um, I'm drinking right now, and it's a weird time to be drinking, but I'm doing it for the show. So we're, uh, you know, we're not responsible for anything you might do based on anything we might be saying, because frankly, you know, we're going to say a lot of stuff that we don't know anything about. We know very uh, little about any of this. Anyway, visit our uh, website www.thevalueguys.com to read more about us and a lot more uh, disclaimers about uh, what we're not responsible for. Uh, this week we're uh, looking at kind of a, I mean, an odd group. There's. Uh, uh, thrift, REITs, insurance, drugs, basic chemical. Well, I guess basic chemicals and drugs go together, don't they? They can. Uh, staffing. I'm going to talk about a couple staffing companies uh, later. Okay. As well as, uh, as a chemical company that uh, is uh, at distressed prices right now. But uh, hmm. first, I'm going to let my, uh, my pal and partner, Val. Oh, nice. Go. Nice run. It's alliteration, I think. Thank you. Well, pal and Val, that's a rhyme, and I know that. Oh, pal, my pal Val. Right. Uh-huh. Right. So, so was that the introduction? Should I yeah, go? Yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, that's, you know. All right, okay, thank so. you. Thanks for that. I didn't even know when it was over, but it was terrific. Okay. Um, it just left you with a warm glow. Didn't I didn't it? know when it was, if it was done. That was the odd thing about that one. <laughs> Anyway, All done now. Uh, we're having some technical issues, so in order for me to make it so you can hear me, uh, listeners, uh, Vern can't hear me, you know, and we're just technologically challenged. And uh, But anyway, uh, I've just got a couple to go through this week. Well, it's because one of us is in a vastly different time zone, so, we, you know, we do have a legitimate excuse or right. legitimate. We've actually recorded the show independently. Uh, from scripts and weave them together so that you, the listener, appears that we're actually having a conversation. It's amazing. A lot of planning when you got to figure in all the banter and chuckling. It's down to the millisecond of timing. Absolutely. Should I just Are you go talk ahead? about any stocks? I'm, I'm, that's stocks what I want to get to. Ah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. We're three, three minutes into the show. People deserve to hear about a stock or two. I'm just going to go in page order this week. The first one up is Hudson City Bank Corp, HCBK. I really don't know very much about this. If you've listened to the show, you know that I don't know much about banks at all. 
they all sell the same thing at the same price. To me, that's a commodity, so I don't know how you pick those. And they're all levered as hell. So it's kind of the antithesis of the type of stock I would ever want to own. But some of them are in pretty good geographies, and so you get population growth. And in the case of uh, a whole host of small capitalization banks, there's this little game going on that you can make money at where uh, eventually they get bought out at a couple of times book. Uh, there's some tax benefit to the owners who tend to be, uh, you know, uh, the officers. And you just have to wait it out till it happens. So this one, HCBK, uh, they're in New Jersey. And, you know, they've got a good reputation, sound lending practices. So it's a buyout candidate. 111 branches. They're growing branches. 10% owned by officers and directors. That's what you want. And... Uh, you know, they're gaining a little bit of share. So, you know, this thing right now is at a little over one and a half times book, and book probably grows, and it gets bought out at two times book in three or four years. So it's just a, you know, it's just something to put away. It's a little bank. It's going to go up over time, and it's yielding 2.3%. So that's a nice little one. And I don't know any more than that. You know, drive over there and check it out. I, I well, we know that you, a uh, successful and highly compensated uh investment professional picked it as the best looking of the nine in the thrift industry list, right? No, not at all, Vern. <laughs> what I did was I said, hey, there's a stock that uh, a friend of mine told me is going to get bought out. Now, that's not because he knows anything. And, of course, all of this is very entertaining, is which is meant to be. It's not. This is not actual information of any sort. This is just a <laughs> script. For entertainment purposes, I mean, we wear costumes. How could this be serious whatsoever? Uh, someone you know who someone you know, I may know who might have been on a bus, of and I might own the stock. I probably do. I, in fact, I do own this for client accounts. Yeah, and I have forgot owned to mention it. that. Yeah, I own it. So, and my clients own we it. We both own it. We all own it's it. It's a whole thing. There's uh, there's hedge funds that buy banks, and you don't know which ones are going to get taken out when. But there's this. Uh, you know, it's a big fragmented industry. I like this one because it's got a really cool name. I, that, that's one of the reasons I like it. Hudson City but Bank. It's improving Corp. its return I mean, on listen capital. Listen to this other one on the list: Capital Federal Financial. You can't even pronounce that. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like something's missing? I mean, I don't like that. What? One. How do you identify it when? I don't know, but Hudson City is just—it's a good yeah, little I'm bank. Surprised you didn't pick People's Bank. I don't know. Anything I know even less about that one than I know about this one. Kind which of is, sounds like a Walmart of banks, though, doesn't it? I, I just think they're all the same. Unless you know one's going to get taken over, then that's the one you should buy. What else Not, you got? I don't know it is. Anyway, all right. Well, next up is uh, Freeport McNamara C&G B, or, or rather Freeport McMoran. This company has been around forever. Copper and gold. Copper and gold. They rated four here at the value line. It's page 1228. And what am I attracted to by this? Well, let me just read you. Uh, what They just, by the way, acquired Phelps Dodge, which was a giant copper producer. Uh, raw materials, we all know, are in fixed supply. And uh, we've got, you know, world democracies growing their GDP at rates never seen from a base never seen. And that means a lot of demand for raw materials. So, um, you know, I know the supply and demand curves are going to fix all this, and one way they're fixing it is by raising pricing to get more capacity. We're very early in on that. 
and we also have had a lot of you know, M&A, a lot of uh, acquisitions. So this is really becoming uh, an industry that can be much more oligopolistic in pricing, which means uh, more stable pricing. And I think, you know, Vern, you may want to weigh in here. I know you know. Well, I just, that's actually difficult to do given that commodity markets in most cases are global and there's a lot of capacity in state-owned hands around the world. Well, okay, I'll give you that. But, uh, you know, one, one of the things these guys have is 90% of uh, a company that is in Indonesia. Well, they have a fantastic property in Indonesia right. where they, uh, the gold deposit is so rich and interlaced with copper that basically they get the copper for free. They have 1.2 billion pounds of copper 1.7 million ounces of gold, 3.8 million ounces of silver, and, uh, you know, it looks like their net cash cost here is $60 a pound for, if that's copper, then uh, copper is 4 bucks a pound or something, you may know, Vern. I think they're minting money here right now, and I don't know... Yeah, they're making tons of money, right? I don't know that you can expect that the cycle's going to reverse the other way, because you have the sort of wind at your back of democracies growing fast, and so yeah. You know, but the, you know the the thing you got to I mean, how are you thinking about the risk of being exposed to gold in this stock? You know, because that's not a that's not an industrial good generally. I guess I think that gold will always be in demand the same way it always has been as a you know trinket. And that oh, it's yeah, got some it industrial uses in, you know, uh, the electronics industry. Satellites, I think. Anyway, the thing I kind of get into here is that they own a big load of copper, silver, and gold. And, uh, you know, we have increasing demand, certainly, for some of the industrial components of that. Gold, you know, who knows? I don't think that's uh, anything but random from here in any case. Um They've just finished this Phelps Dodge acquisition that I, you know, suspect is going to lead to some meaningful cost cuts over time. Certainly gives them more power in pricing, and uh, this thing is eight times earnings. It's a 44% relative multiple. It's uh, six times gross cash flow. Um, you know, 11 times free cash flow, and I'm not necessarily of the view that we're at any sort of cyclical peak uh, with all these forces of good lining up behind us. So. I'm apt to just want to own that for a long time, FCX, Freeport, MacMoran. And then uh, a couple of quick ones here we've talked about before. I'm sorry, but I don't like that one. That's fine. Uh, let's see. A couple of quick ones. Uh, two generic pharmaceuticals companies that, uh, you know, the theme is basically demographics, driving increased use of health care. Uh, we know medicine is gaining share of the healthcare dollar because it's more efficient in terms of dollar spent and time saved out of the hospital, et cetera. And within medicine, generics continue to gain share. Although it's hard to make money on them, they are, in fact, gaining share, and these two companies are among the largest producers. Um, First King, page 1261, this stock is... Um, just started to move up, and Value Line seems to have gotten off it a little bit. We've been talking about this for some time, and I think it's a good you know, longer-term hold. Um, it's you know, right now 10 times gross cash flow. They spend very little on CapEx, um, and so it's about uh, 11 times free cash flow, and they're gaining share 
uh, as generics gain share. Their operating margins in the low 30s, returns on capital move around a little bit, uh, but right now, you know, low uh, double digits. So that's not great, but it keeps other people out of the business, and as they scale, they'll improve that. And in fact, Value Line says they are um, really going through a growth phase right now. Uh, using their existing capacity in sales, their existing customer list, and they're, you know, uh, basically creating some additional products, buying some additional products. They do a little bit of proprietary in addition to doing generics. And uh, they're also stepping up their R&D. So they're right now leveraging their sales force. That should help their ROI over the next few years. Um, they're lowering costs. It appears they're uh, uh, expanding across a whole host of therapeutic areas. <coughs> and I think that uh, this is something that can last a long time. They're, um, they're, they're a leader here. They are vertically integrated in the industry. And, you know, what else? I don't know much else about it. Um, the stock's up about 25% in the last, you know, few months, but it's down from, you know, 48 a few years ago. It's a 20. That's probably a good entry point, King KG. Uh, the second one I like a little better is Watson, uh, WPI. Um, you they, own this, don't you? I do uh, own Watson, and I'm looking at King. Watson also is interesting from just a valuation point of view. It's 385 in gross cash flow, stock at 27. You got to take a look at that. Again, not a lot of capital spending here. Capacity's not expensive. It's acquiring these drugs or inventing them that's expensive. It's 10 times free cash flow. Uh, they do buy a little stock back over time with free cash flow. They're running operating margins, this one around 20, because they don't have quite as many proprietary products as King does. Um, they own the rights to uh, market 150 generic drugs, 25 branded drugs, and uh, they've got a joint venture with Mylan. Let's see. I think I read they're expanding capacity in India right now. That's going to help lower their costs. And they're, you know, doing a lot of smart things here. They've, uh, they've improved their return on equity, you know, by nearly a third in the last couple years. So their incremental returns are very high. Someone there has some good ideas and they're working. The balance sheet is in, you know, okay shape. Uh, but I think you're going to get above average growth and you've got a below average cash flow multiple. Now you can get fooled on this because it looks like it's a 24 PE. Uh, they're they're spending about a buck eighty a share in depreciation, yet their capex is only seventy five cents. So, cash flow here is a little bit of a better indicator. A lot of their DNA is for things that they acquired, uh, trademarks and such that uh, are you know depreciated over time. But there's no call on capex against that. So anyway, that's Watson Pharmaceutical. I'll close with that this week, and uh, I think my favorite one this week would be a mix of Watson. And Freeport, I just think uh, that's a long-term uh, situation. There. <laughs> All right, now uh, let me, uh, with great fanfare, turn it over to uh, my partner in uh, podcasting. Yahoo. Vern Value. Vern, that's take it me. away. Thank you, Val. My pleasure. My pleasure. Beverage break. Yeah, I've got a beverage here. All right, so do I. Okay. There you go. Uh, first up for me this week, Georgia Gulf, symbols GGC. Say that three times fast. No, thank uh, Value line rates is five. 
And um, I, you know, I, to be fair to Value Line, this is a uh, this is a high risk situation. Um, so proceed, you know, definitely proceed your own risk. You need to do some work here, I think. But uh, this is a kind of situation, um, at least in some ways, reminiscent of the Goodyear situation, where uh, the market's basically given up on a stock. Uh, the near term is highly uncertain, but if it works out, uh, the returns could be uh, could be really attractive. Recently priced around sixteen dollars, uh, traded above forty. Well, traded above fifty-five in two thousand four and two thousand five. Um, what they do wrong? Well, they went out and they spent. I don't know how much they spent, but it must have been more than one point five billion to buy something called Royal Group. So you've got Georgia Gulf, which is a leading producer of, according to Value Line, chlorine, caustic soda, sodium chloride, vinyl chloride, monomer. I don't know what all this stuff is, but Chemicals. a lot of the stuff that they make are vinyl resins. Uh, and apparently about 35% of their output of that business goes into housing and construction. I'm assuming these numbers of Value Line has here are pre-acquisition uh, of Royal Group. And... Um, that this Royal Group business apparently makes stuff made out of plastic. That uh -huh. mentions uh, impact-resistant windows and portable outdoor buildings. So I, I have to admit, I did briefly look on Yahoo, which you know has a lot of great information. I could have looked at the Value Line site uh, just to see what you know what's the story here. And basically, Georgia Gulf has. Uh, decided to forward integrate and um, try to diversify away some of the cyclical exposure to energy prices, you know, their primary input. Um, so that's what they're susceptible to, and with, uh, um, with uh, energy prices um, quite high, uh, their profit margins are down substantially. In 2003, under 10%. Uh, where they had been, you know, 15 to 20 percent in the late 90s into 2000. So, um, had at one time been a lot more profitable. And um, what I like about it is it's really, really cheap. Um, at $16, uh, Value Line says that it has a non-meaningful PE, but they've got earnings estimates of 85 cents for next year and a dollar for 08. So, call it 19 times. Um, but they're forecasting gross cash flow at a minimum of $5 for each of the next two years. Wow. With Royal Group business on board, this is gross cash flow. So that makes the stock a little over three times that number. Capital spending around $2, so I've got about $3 of free cash. So it's about, now, these are highly uncertain projections. They uh, lost money in their most recent quarter, I guess the first quarter since they made the acquisition. And, uh, of course, primarily because of the big you know, increase in debt. I mean, it's dilutive immediately. There's some purchase accounting adjustments that have to be made. You know, you write up inventory on an acquired business, et cetera. So they lost money on the operating income line as well. Um, it, it wasn't perfectly clear to me whether, you know, it was all one-timers or not. Maybe not, um, but they've, um, they're very early in the integration process. Apparently, they put out some big targets on uh, on cost reductions and claim to be, I looked at their earnings release, uh, uh, they claim to be uh, ahead of schedule, and uh, I think the number is like 50 or 70 million that they're supposed to capture in this first year. So, on that basis, Value Line's uh, forecasting that they'll do close to a 10% operating margin, apparently. Um, and I'm, I'm going to assume that they've got reasonable numbers. So, um, I've got a billion and a half of debt, 
I've got a $550 million equity market cap, so call it $1.9 billion, about six times enterprise to EBITDA. At $1.9 billion, I'm also, what, two-thirds of sales at $3.5 billion, so undeniably cheap on the statistics. Um, Value Line says they have interest coverage of eight times with debt to cap at 80%. There's no way that's right. It looks to me if, if interest is going to run say 140 million for the year they're a little over two times covered uh, using value lines uh, estimates for EBITDA so uh, and then positively depreciation runs about twice what capital spending is so um, I you know I take a flyer on this thing it may not work but uh, with the stock down so huge and what looks like maybe um, I'll bet a 40 or 50 percent cut since they announced the deal in the first place because the market doesn't like it um, I don't care whether I like it or not, but uh, as they delever and straighten out the balance sheet, they'll get uh, they'll get leverage um, from the reduction in uh, overall. I mean, the reduction in bankruptcy risk. I mean, realistically, so your exposure here is higher energy prices. If they go up a lot, you're dead. So be careful. Huh. Um, okay. And the other two I've got are uh, a little more uh, run of the mill. Um, what Value Line calls human resources industry. You know, we picked names out of here in the past. Uh, we like the basic, uh, we like the basic business model. If you can find the right mix of revenue, because your uh, assets are basically the people and not a lot beyond that, you need some good systems and some people to run the software that coordinates who's going to be where when, uh, and then have some human resource people to go out and recruit um, replacements because you're going to have turnover. Um, it, it should be a high return on uh, invested capital. Certainly, return high return on asset business. Uh, if you well, that whole sector gained share when you know employees got expensive, and you could outsource things, and uh, maybe you know for projects you'd rather use a temporary help person for a year than hire a full time person. That you know it's hard. Well, to you just you, you just mentioned a really key word, I think, from my point of view, and that's outsourcing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. one of the things that's creating a problem for this sector is that. There's some jobs that in the past uh, companies in a, in a good environment, good economic environment like we're in now, uh, would be you know, flexing their capacity by uh, hiring temporary people, using that as a means to screen you know, potential new permanent employees. Um, a lot of them are now um, sending that, that the, the classification of work that would fit some of those to you know, low-cost countries like India. So... Um, that and uh, there have been a lot of new entrants here because the barriers are low. As long as you've got decent systems, you just—I mean—you need revenue, obviously. But uh, if you've got supply and there's, you know, plenty of demand for it. So Kelly, who's been around forever, um, are they the? I don't—they're not the largest. Well, it's a little bit like the network effect they always—they used to talk about for eBay, where if you have the buyers, the sellers will come, and if you have the sellers, the buyers will come. Yeah, and Kelly point. has that working for him. Well, the problem for Kelly, um, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at a stock chart that basically, um, you know, for ten years, uh, the lowest high is twenty nine dollars. The highest high is under thirty nine dollars, um, and the lows range from eighteen to about twenty five. Except for this year, the stock's on a run recently, is why I'm talking about it. Um, and so it's basically traded in a very narrow band, and on a relative basis, I mean, it's been a loser for this entire chart, basically. I found there's one year here, 2002, when it outperformed, 
and the most recent year when it's been flat with the market uh, while going up, um, and in the case of the most recent year, with cyclical acceleration in their numbers. So um, the problem here, I think, is that they, you know, they haven't kept pace in terms of the mix that they have, and their returns in more commodity, commoditized commercial staffing sectors uh, have been eroded by new entrants, uh, and it shows up in their numbers. They used to run consistently better than 4% operating margins prior to 2001, and um, with a major recovery, they spent five years under 2%. They're supposedly going to do 25 this year, according to Value Line, who says long-term 3 well, what's surprising to me is in an economy where unemployment is so low, employment is high, you'd think it, you would need extra help to find employees and that Kelly would benefit from that you know, more difficult environment to find people, but that doesn't seem to be the case according to what no, you're looking at. The stock recently near 33, I mean, is reflecting the cyclical acceleration and the, and the market being up, of course. Um, there is some uh, excess cash on the balance sheet. Uh, probably, um, you know, with that and uh, um, there's a, some restructuring charges involved in Value Line's number, which you could probably eliminate. So in 2007, their estimate would be more like $2. The stock's 33, call it 32. It's 16 times earnings, a discount to the market, maybe 20%, but it's 11 times cash flow, 17 times free cash flow with, I'd say, you know, uncertain prospects for getting operating margin back to three. Um, the value line talks about them needing to uh, expand their presence in emerging international markets, namely Europe and Asia. Um, I don't know in whose world these are emerging. but um, So you don't, you don't like this one, Vern? Is that no, what I'm, so the point what I'm is, getting? You know, this is what it costs to play here. It is only seven times enterprise value EBITDA, so it's not <coughs> terribly expensive, but... I think instead, and I, I did this to try and set a baseline on valuation, you know, here's what you got to pay to be involved in this industry, which does have good return, again, should have good return characteristics. I do have a name here that I think, although it's not terribly cheap, and is, is certainly not going to sound statistically cheap on numbers right now, um, has the kind of growth characteristics. I think you'll like it, too. It's called AMN Healthcare. Oh, Kelly, by the way, symbol is K-E-L-Y-A. Here's another reason to love this stock. There's an A and a B class, and of the B class, 93% is owned by officers and directors. So uh, AMN Healthcare, I don't know what this stands for. They provide temporary and permanent healthcare staffing to hospital and healthcare facilities. Physicians, nurses, and other professionals like therapists and med techs. We're looking at that right now what's in that? the shop. We're looking at that in the shop right now. Um, recently under $24, uh, roughly 21 times a $1.15 number in 07 that, um, I don't know, looks, looks fairly clean in terms of anything unusual in it, although they did recently make some uh, favorable adjustments to some reserves and apparently assumptions maybe for workers' comp. I don't know if those are one-time or if they're going to change expense, you know, accrual rates going forward. Don't like that. Been a lot of insider selling, but um, those are small technical things. It would be easy to check on to see if they're meaningful. In the meantime, this one's uh, this one has the same free cash flow valuation as Kelly. Enterprise value is about a billion on 800 million market cap, a little under 200 million of debt. 
um, and EBITDA around 90, so about 11 times, so not real cheap. It is less than one times revenue, though, with um, a, you know some, a, a lot of years of earning in a you know six, seven, eight, nine percent operating margin rate, and return on capital is climbing, uh, 10 and a half percent last year should be 11 this year. Uh, it looks like it's on its way up, uh, especially as you get an opportunity here for some deleveraging with 90 million of EBITDA every year. Or with um, let's see, free cash flow about a buck and a half a share. Call it forty, fifty million. There's so they'll pay down some debt. debt. What? Pay down some debt here. What yeah, you're... so you're going to pay down some debt. So the valuation um, might look a little sticky. A value line's calling for double-digit top line, not just earnings and cash flow growth. So top line. And the thing that gets me here is that even value line, I think I think they're kind of missing it. I think there's a much better story than they're giving it credit for. They rated three, by the way. Um, because, uh, you know, they talk about the supply of qualified nurses being tight and getting worse. Yeah, that's been going on a long time. Yeah, which means that, uh, you know, as it continues to, well, and as, um, as you chase doctors out of the industry with, uh, and, and, and professional full-time nurses with uh, the cost of insurance, uh, with an aging baby boom, I mean, you, you know, you've got constricting supply at time demands exploding, it puts um, puts nurses in the uh, position to demand flexibility that they can get from a temporary service, um, and it puts AMN in a position of having a lot of control over pricing. I think going forward, getting better, stronger story in the future. So, like it, even though uh, it maybe has you know valuation metrics that are a little borderline, you know, for us the value guys. Uh, I will say one thing. I notice here that uh, if you go back to 2003. The stock um, sold off in the early part of the year, um, so PE must have been uh, must have been quite low, and um, uh, the the stock was um, um, uh, at a roughly the same kind of uh, price to sales ratio that you have right now. It is about zero point seven times. So um, the stock has sold off some recently, under twenty four, down from twenty nine high this year, twenty eight last year. Uh, with a good, I would think, a good growth curve going forward. So, anyway, that's uh, AMN. Um, used Kelly to contrast, you know, what, you know, show you, I mean, why this one looks attractive. But uh, my favorite idea this week, obviously, because I'm not going to be responsible and, and uh, you know, may or may not buy it myself, Georgia Golf. Well, and it was a very entertaining recommendation. Was it entertaining? It was very much so, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, George on my mind, I guess. I don't know. Is that everything? Is that all you have this week? That's all I got, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's close it out then. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. And, and I think we give it, I think we have a little more material to work with next week. I think there's. I don't know. I like this Freeport. you got a ton of copper, silver, and gold. How can you go wrong? Plus the research on that. How can you go wrong? You can pay too much. That's how. I don't know. Right now, demand for these materials. I know gold that is like at six hundred and fifty dollars. Who cares hour? about gold? Gold was at a thousand dollars in nineteen seventy nine, my friend. If, if you nineteen seventy nine at four hundred, right? Well, at the point it moves around. Who knows? You can't. I'm not going to bet it's going to go any way. I think my best prediction for gold is flat. That's probably you know. Hey, I'm you know I'm making an implicit bet on energy prices with Georgia Gold. I so just I think you got you own a whole bunch of scarce resources. 
their return on capital is 17, 18% after years of single digits, so no one got in the, in the business because they couldn't earn any money. And, you know, maybe you got a few years. Anyway, rewind and listen to Freeport Mac well, you're, 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 that's the case that we've made in the past for BHP, which is also that turn this out? week's issue, and maybe you'd like to take a look at it on page 1225. How's it going? Uh, I think it's been going quite well, actually. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And Vern? Yeah. I'm going to see you soon. I'm coming home. Oh, good. Yeah. We miss you here. All right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.